Hello and welcome back. This is David and I've got Pastor Merritt with me and today we will be looking at Revelation chapter 17 and beyond. Uh, the previous two lessons have been on Revelation and you can see in the outline. Uh, you can get it there on westbankbiblechurch.com. Uh, but before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Okay, Pastor Merritt, take it away. Since we've been away for some time, I thought I might uh, provide a little bit of an introduction here and then turn it over to David to start with chapter 17 where we left off. But keep in mind, the book of the Revelation is the only book in the Bible that declares a special blessing for the reader and the teacher. The reason is clear. It describes the ultimate defeat of Satan. Revelation chapter 1, as we saw, has one major thought. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus is the key to history and prophecy. Chapter 2, we noted, deals with the introduction and occasion and person of the apocalypse. In chapter 2, uh, actually chapter 2 and 3, we find the message to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and those are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. In chapter 4, David did a great job of telling us about what was going on in heaven. Chapter 6 through 11 described the events of the tribulation with emphasis on the events themselves. And then chapters 12 through 20, uh, we observed that the 20... Uh, actually, the, all of those chapters deal with the tribulation with emphasis on the character, characters of the tribulation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then chapter 20 through 21 will deal with the New Jerusalem, the great white throne, and the new heaven and earth. And I think that gives us enough of an introduction to that I can turn it over to David Lee Hammond, who's going to tell us about chapter 17. If you have the outline, we'll be on the bottom third of page 21 is where we will begin. Book of the Revelation, chapter 17. In chapter 17, we find a description of the rise and fall of international religion the global church of Rome. Her relationship with the revived Roman Empire is also described. Chapter 1, I mean verse 1, chapter 17. One of the angels who had delivered one of the seven vials came over to me and said, Come over here. I want to show you the demise and punishment of the great prostitute, a metaphor for the global church of the tribulation. She is seen atop the many waters, a description of her close relationship with the international leaders of the world. The angel went on to say, With the global church, the political leaders of planet Earth have committed spiritual adultery. The inhabitants of the Earth were intoxicated with wine of her many indiscretions. This seems to be a metaphor to describe how impressed were the people of the planet with the global church of Rome and her false doctrines. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a vast wilderness. It was there I saw a woman, the global church, sitting on a scarlet beast representing the Satan indwelt Antichrist as the leader of the revived Roman Empire. The beast was covered with blasphemous names and he had seven heads representing the seven hills of Rome. 
And then I was given a vision of the heavenly temple. The veil separating the holy of holies from the holy place was opened and I could see the ark. Cherubim, golden censer, and mercy seat all illuminated by the Shekinah, glory of God himself. Out of the holy of holies came the seven elect angels. Each had one of the seven last plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining white linen representing the righteous judgment of God, and they wore garments resembling that worn by the priest. Their white robes were bound with golden sashes tied around their chest. Then one of the four special elect angels, resident in the throne room of God, gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls in which to carry the seven plagues. The vials were filled with the wrath of God Almighty. The entire temple area, to include both the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, were filled with a cloud of smoke. No one could see to enter the temple, nor could they enter until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Planet Earth was about to feel the special wrath of God. The ten horns represented the ten nations making up a European federation. The world church and world government worked in close alliance. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, and she glittered with gold, precious stones and pearls. The church was awash in wealth. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with the filthy and nasty things she had done. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the earth. I, John, saw that the global church was drunk with the blood of the believers of the tribulation. When I saw her, I was absolutely appalled, and I wondered what all this meant. Then the angel said to me, why do you wonder as to whom she might be? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides. I will also explain the meaning of the seven heads and ten horns. The beast, which you saw, is Satan. He once operated in his own world under the permissive will of God, but during the millennium he will be chained in a great abyss, but at the end of the millennium, he will be released for a short time. He will come up out of the abyss only to fail once again, and then he will go to his destruction. At the end of the millennium, all unbelievers will be called before the great, great white throne. Those unbelievers will be astonished when they see that Satan has been judged and placed forever in the lake of fire. You can certainly see, uh, and David uh, made that clear, we're talking now about uh, characters that we see in uh, those next several chapters all the way through, actually, the end of the book. To understand uh, the, this particular verse requires, naturally, spiritual understanding. The seven heads or seven hills representing the seven hills of Rome where the global church is located. The seven kings are also seven empires. Six of the seven empires, Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and the first Roman Empire have fallen. The seventh empire, the revived Roman Empire, is yet to come. But when that seventh empire does come, it will only last for a short time. The revived Roman Empire is that empire headed by the Antichrist, a Satan-indwelt political leader of the world. The beast who once was and now is not is Satan as the leader of the seventh empire, the revived Roman Empire. By indwelling the Antichrist, he will direct that which will occur in the world, but only after the permissive will of God. In God's timing, both the seventh empire together with its leader will be destroyed. John is told, the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. 
These ten will come into the international, or excuse me, come onto the international scene just after the rapture. They will rule their individual kingdoms. One of the leaders is the Antichrist. He comes from one of the smaller nations, making up the ten. The Antichrist will soon take over rulership of all ten. The ten-nation federation under the Satan-indwelt Antichrist will become the international leader of planet Earth, at first ruling all ten, but soon he will rule all ten and ultimately rule the entire world. The confederation under the leadership of the Antichrist will make war against our Lord, but the Lamb of God will overcome the Antichrist and his followers when he returns at his second advent. They will be, they will be no match for the Lord of lords and King of kings. Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are the various nations of the world. The Antichrist, as the leader of the Ten-Nation Federation, will grow to hate the leader of the global church and her congregations. He decides the church is no longer useful, so he orders the execution of her leader and the destruction of her churches. Her followers are then required to worship only the Antichrist. This will occur in the middle of the tribulation. Additionally, the treaty with Israel is broken, and she too is no longer permitted to worship in her full temple. All of this is done under the permissive will of God. It was made clear to me the woman represented the global church headquartered at Rome, and the beast was the Antichrist who ultimately turns against the global church. Israel and all believers in Jesus Christ. All right, that completes chapter 17. We'll be continuing, and chapter 18 will be at the top of page 23. Book of the Revelation, chapter 18. We now turn to the account of the destruction of Babylon on the Shinar Plain. After the Antichrist severs all ties with organized religion, he moves his headquarters to Iraq. This takes place in the middle of the tribulation. The Shinar Plain is located south of Baghdad. This new city becomes the world's economic activity center. It is from here all commerce begins and ends. With the destruction of this city, there is a great lamination and concern, especially on the part of the world's business leaders. After all, they had been made rich by the Antichrist, but now they see his capital and center of economic activity being destroyed. Chapter 18, verse 1. It wasn't long before I saw a second angel coming down from heaven. From his appearance and general demeanor, he obviously had been given special authority. In fact, the entire horizon was illuminated by his splendor. He cried out in a very loud voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. The city of Babylon is gone. It has become a home for demons and a place for every kind of evil spirit. It is now home for every kind of unclean and detestable bird. The nations of the world had participated with her in all sorts of pernicious and despicable commercial practices. The leaders of planet Earth had entered into complicated and nefarious schemes designed to take advantage of those less fortunate, and the industrial magnates had thereby acquired great wealth, wealth beyond description. And then I, John, heard another voice coming from heaven. My people, come out of Babylon so that you do not participate in their sins. Also, I do not want to see you hurt by the plagues. I am about to send, for you to see Babylon's sins have piled up, even reaching to heaven itself. From her very beginning, 
She has participated in the most devious business practices. God has remembered her many sins. Babylon must be paid back, said the voice. In fact, she will be paid back double for what she has done. Mix her a drink of devastation and give her a double portion of her own cup. Distribute to her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she bestowed upon herself. Throughout the ages she has boasted, I sit as queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Accordingly, in one day I saw plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine were the order of the day. The city of Babylon was consumed by fire, for mighty and sovereign is the Lord God who has judged her. The various rulers of the nations who had gained great wealth from the evil practices of commercial Babylon were astounded and full of great sorrow. When they saw the smoke of the burning city, they cried uncontrollably. They could not believe their eyes. Terrified at what they saw, they refused to go to her but aid, but rather they stood afar off and cried, Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power, in such a short time you have been destroyed. The world's great men of commerce could be seen for several days thereafter, weeping and mourning because no one bought their products. Their expensive trinkets made of gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls sat alone and cold in their jewelry cases. Their fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth simply took up space on their shelves. Items made of citron wood and articles of ivory, costly mahogany, bronze, iron, and marble were no longer purchased. There was no market for their cinnamon and spice, their incense, myrrh, and frankincense, their wine and olive oil, fine flour and wheat were stacked in warehouses, taking up space, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and even their slaves could not be traded. Great economic power who paid generously for the world's products. They just weren't there. The world's riches and splendor soon vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants watched in horror as Babylon and her citizens cried out in pain. Even the inveterate industrial giants, these normally unflappable men of commerce, also wept, excuse me, wept and cried out. Woe, woe, O great city, you who once was dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, you who once glittered with gold, precious stones and pearls, you are now nothing but a city to be pitied. Your great wealth was washed away in a sea of fire, and it all happened so quickly. All you once were is now in ruin. Every sea captain and all who traveled by ship, the sailors and all who earned their living from the sea will stand far off, wondering where to take their cargo. Sounds familiar too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Some of the things we're seeing today in the United States and our own world. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will cry out, Was there ever a city like Babylon? The great sea captains and their crews who once enjoyed shore duty will weep and mourn and exclaim, Woe, woe, O great city! The owners of the giant vessels who had become rich through trading with her, they will say, but it all happened so fast. We're hearing that over and over, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, a great Babylon is no longer. Will she ever stop burning? A voice from heaven orders those in heaven to rejoice. The economic machine over which the Antichrist indirectly ruled is now no more. Then a powerful angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and 
threw it into the sea and said, With such violence the great city of Babylon will one day be thrown down, never to be seen again. The music of harps and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchant, your great men of wealth will never be seen again. By your magic spell, all the nations will be led astray. In you will be found the blood of prophets, the blood of saints. God has measured you, however, and found you wanting. Chapter 19, bottom quarter of page 24. There is great joy in heaven when Babylon is destroyed, for it signals the beginning of the end for the devil's world. We next get a description of the wedding supper of the Lamb when the church is introduced to Israel and then comes the long-awaited event, the second advent of the King of Kings. Chapter 19, verse 1. After I saw the destruction of Babylon and the resolute joy in heaven, I heard the roar of a great crowd in heaven exclaiming, Praise God! Deliverance and glory and power solely belongs to Jesus the Christ. For certain and just are all his judgments. He has condemned and judged ecumenical, political, and commercial Babylon, who for centuries corrupted the earth by her false teachings. He is calling her to account for spilling the blood of his servants. At this point, John again heard from heaven. Hallelujah for the omnipotent Lord God reigneth. The 24 elders, representing the raptured church age saints, and the four special elect angels all fell prostrate and worshipped the Christ, who was seated on the throne. The raptured saints of heaven cried out, Amen and Hallelujah. And out of the throne room in heaven came a voice praising God. In fact, the voice demanded all his servants, small and great, all who fear and respect him must praise his name. And then I heard what sounded like the shouting of a large crowd. It sounded much like the waves of a hundred oceans crashing on a rocky shore, or like the crash of thunder from an approaching storm. Let us rejoice and be glad and honor him, for the marriage has occurred, and now we are ready to celebrate with a wedding banquet in honor of the Lamb of God and his bride, the church. For she has made herself ready, she is prepared. Because of her faith alone in Christ alone, she is permitted to wear her decorations on her uniform of glory. The uniform is made of the cleanest and whitest fine linen. The angels then said to me, Blessed are those who have invited to who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And then he added, God himself has so stated. I, John, then fell down to worship the angel, but he rebuked me, saying, Get up! Do not do that! I am a servant of God just like you, and serve not only you, but all your brothers in Christ. The purpose of all prophecy is to describe the triumph and return of Jesus the Christ. Then I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a huge white horse. The rider was called Faithful and True. It is said of him, He has come to judge with justice and to make war on those who refuse to call him Lord. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns of royalty. He had a name written on his forehead. He alone knew its meaning. He was clothed in garments dipped in blood, and his official title was clearly displayed, the Word of God. The angelic armies of heaven, dressed in finest linen, white and clean, were following him. 
They too were riding on white horses. What a display that will be. In his mouth, the Lord had a large executioner's sword with which to make and take down the nations and to make them serve. He began slaughtering the armies of the nations and so flowed the blood it was like a man treading a winepress. He treaded the winepress with the fury and wrath of God Almighty himself. And on his robe and on his thigh was the name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel whose brightness was as the sun. He cried out to all the flesh-eating birds in a voice that could be heard all over the world. Come to Israel, Edom and Babylon, gather together for the great supper of God. Here you you may eat the flesh of kings, generals and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the Antichrist leading the world's kings, presidents, prime ministers, and their armies. They were moving slowly but surely toward the Middle East. The Antichrist had put together a global coalition for the sole purpose of making war against Israel, Christ, and his heavenly army. The Antichrist and his forces were coming. From the west across the Mediterranean, the Arab forces were coming from the south, and the forces headquartered in Moscow moved a great armada south into the Holy Land, and finally from the east came the Oriental hordes, all armies aching for combat. In cryptic fashion, only the result of the battle is described in this chapter. Carnage fit for the world's vultures. The defeat of the armies of the beast, however, is the prelude of the destruction of the beast himself and his minions. And then the Antichrist was captured together with his sidekick, the false prophet. The false prophet, who had been so convincing, he had seduced many into worshiping the image of the Antichrist, and great numbers had followed his recommendation to take the mark of the beast. Both were cast into the lake of fire created for Satan and his demon subalterns. The rest of those who fought against the Lord at Jerusalem Megiddo and Eden were killed by the Lord's executioner's sword and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. The population of Sheol, or Hades as the Greeks called it, was greatly increased. It is here that all unbelievers must live in torment until their judgment before the great white throne. David, in the book of Zechariah chapter 14, this battle is it, uh, in in the Middle East is called the, the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, it's uh, wonderfully, wondrously described, and uh, all the armies of the world think that they can handle the Lord Jesus Christ after they take care of Israel. But are they ever going to be <laughs> uh, disappointed? Now let's see what we can do with chapter 20 of the book of the Revelation. You know, a lot of this is what you call the spoiler alert. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we know what's coming. Yes, it's a magnificent series of events that are going to first, of course, defeat the armies of the world. And uh, as, it, as we had earlier talked about, they have about... Uh, great force coming from first of all the Pan-Arabic bloc and that in motivates the, the Russians to come charging down south and then we have a, from Europe comes the Antichrist forces and then finally we noted that we have the armies of the Orient uh, who come from the east and they're all ready to do battle. They want to destroy first Israel, and then they want to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. Dave, why don't you take up chapter 20 and tell us of these events in more detail. Top quarter, page 26 of the outline. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. 
Suddenly, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. This angel was very similar to those earlier seen. This angel had a key to a large bottomless pit. In his hand, he held a large chain. The angel seized Satan and bound him with the chains and literally threw him into the terrible abyss. The lid to the great pit was locked and sealed. In the abyss, he could no longer delude the nations anymore. After a thousand years, however, I saw Satan set free, but only for a short time. And what's that called, that thousand years? The millennium. Uh, and ultimately, it's going to be a wondrous place. But first, we have to have a little more information about the battle. Excuse me for interrupting, David. Go for it. I saw thrones upon which were seated those who had been given authority to assist Christ with his judgment. I saw Old Testament and certain kingdom-age saints rise from the dead. They were given new bodies to enjoy the millennium. Additionally, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their Christian testimonies. They had not worshipped the Antichrist nor his image, and they had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They too received a new body and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is called the first resurrection or the resurrection of life. For the rest of the dead, the unbelievers were not removed from Sheol until the thousand years are over. This return of unbelievers is called the second resurrection. Blessed, happy, and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection, believers only. The second death has no power over them. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Near the end of the thousand years, I saw God release Satan from the abyss. Satan immediately set out to deceive the leaders of the nations of the world. From the four corners of the earth, he gathers the armies of the world for the battle to strike down the Christ and his followers. The armies of the world again gathered outside Jerusalem in vast numbers. A vast armada formed outside the city formed where Christ ruled. The military forces could be seen advancing toward the Middle East, intent on surrounding the city of Jerusalem. Before a shot could be fired, however, God sent fire down from heaven to devour Satan's forces. After the defeat of the military coalition, the devil who had deceived them was again thrown into the lake of fire where he joined his demon minions, the Antichrist and the false prophet. It is there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I, John, then saw a great white throne upon which the Lord Jesus Christ sat. Suddenly, planet Earth and the first and second heaven that surrounded the earth exploded and disappeared, and all those lined up in front of the great white throne could see there was no place for them to go. This great white throne is also called the judgment seat of Christ for unbelievers. And all the unbelievers of the world will gather together before the great white throne where the Lord Jesus Christ sits as judge. He is the only one who is capable of judging because it was he who took care of all the sins of the world. And they will all come and they'll notice immediately there's no place for us and uh, they'll just have to understand that they will be judged, interestingly, for their works, not for their sins. And again, why? Because Christ took care of all the sins of the world. I then saw the unbelieving dead, great and small, standing before the throne where Christ said as judge, it was clear there were two sets of books being used in the judgment. There was the first, the book of life, in which remained the names of God's elect. This book was used to make sure 
only unbelievers were being judged. I could not help but be impressed, said John, by the size of the second set of books called the Books of Works. The unbelievers were judged according to what they had done to make themselves right with God. Every item of human good was found listed in the book of works. And it took more than one set of books because many people had tried to work their way to heaven, but there's no way. It takes only faith alone in Christ alone. And sin, interestingly enough, is not mentioned. Besides, each unbeliever's names were listed, the things done in the flesh to impress our Lord. Needless to say, none impress the Christ. Every unbeliever, regardless of the manner or place of his death, was given, uh, was given up, if you will. All who had died without Christ were required to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Each was judged according to their works. They had to be differentiated from the first as opposed to the second resurrection. Those whose names were not found written in the book of life were thrown into the lake of fire to join Satan, his minions, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Now let's see what Dave can tell us about Revelation chapter 21. Top uh, third, page 27 of the outline. It is difficult to determine in chapters 21 and 22 if that being described is the new heaven and earth or the millennial heaven and earth. We attempted such an analysis when we taught chapter 21. More information will be provided when our study notes are published. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and unlike that which had passed away, there was no sea. God was making clear that in eternity future, there will be no more nations to operate outside God's protocol. I was then given a panoramic view of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It came down out of heaven, a gift from God. The city was beyond description like a gorgeous bride prepared for her right man, adorned in the finest attire. The Quintessence of Pulchritude And I, John, heard a loud voice. The voice came from the area around the throne. Now the dwelling of God is with mankind, and I will live with them forever. They will be my people. And I will be with them, and I will be their God. I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the older things have been hissed off the stage and are no more. Christ, who was seated on the throne, said, I am now making all things new and different. He then said to John, write what I am about to say. My words are trustworthy, faithful, and true. Christ then looked directly at me and said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To those who are thirsty, I will freely give them water to drink. From the spring of the water of life, they will drink freely. The water, I was reminded, represented the fulfillment of all the many promises of Christ, which are now complete. Christ again spoke. The person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall inherit all things, and I will in the future be his God, and he shall be my son. But in contrast, the cowardly, those who are unconvinced of God's truths, those polluted 
with idolatrous practices, those who murder, those who practice fornication and adultery, those dabbling in the occult, and those who lie, they will receive their part in the lake of burning sulfur. The seventh angel, now remember, that does not take believers and place them in this judgment situation. Why? Because Christ took care of all of those sins, bad as they might be. Now let's see what the seventh angel has to say. The seventh angel who had dumped the seventh plague on planet earth came over to me and said, Come here, John, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb of God. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was taken away in the spirit to a great and high mountain where he pointed out the holy city of Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. The city glowed with the glory of God. Its brilliance was like that of a single, giant, precious stone, bright and clear like a transcendent prism. The new Jerusalem had a high wall, more than 200 feet. It had 12 gates and an angel sat atop each gate. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel in the following pattern. The northwest corner going from west to east, Levi. Judah and Reuben from the northeast corner going north to south. Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan from the southeast corner going from east to west, Naphtali. Asher and Gad from the southwest corner going from south to north, Simeon, Issachar, and Zebulun. There were three gates on the east side, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west side. The wall of the city had twelve foundations stationed under each gate, and on each foundation were the names of the twelve original disciples, minus Judas Iscariot. The seventh angel who took me away in the spirit had a measuring rod of gold with which he measured the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was cube-shaped. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 1,342 miles on all sides. He measured the wall of the city as being 216 feet high. The walls were made of a clear jasper stone cut and polished to the grade of a perfect diamond, and the city itself was made of pure gold, so pure that it gave the appearance of glass. The foundations of the city were made of various precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, Chalcedony, the fourth, Emerald, the ninth, Topaz, the tenth, Chrysoprase, the eleventh, Hyacinth, and the twelfth, Amethyst. The twelve gates were each made of a giant single pore, excuse me, single pearl. That's a big pearl. Yeah. <laughs> I should have remembered that from Hee Haw. There were a special street, which there was a special street, which ran down the center of the city, which was made of pure gold, giving the appearance of transparent glass. I, John, looked, but did not see a temple in the city. It was made clear to me there was no need for a temple because the Father and the Son make redundant any need for a temple. The ritual had been replaced by the reality. The eternal new Jerusalem does not need the light of the sun nor the moon for the glory of God. The Lord Jesus Christ gave it its light. The Lamb of God was its perpetual lamp. The Gentiles will walk by this light and those who had positions of prominence on planet Earth 
will bring their reputations and productions into the city. The gates of the city will always stand wide open. They will never be shut. For there will be no night and no reason to seal the city from the outside or from those outside. Even the glory and honor of the Gentiles will enter with them. All Gentiles who glorified God will enter with their divine good. However, nothing impure or any impure person will enter the new Jerusalem. Only those who are positionally perfect, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, let's see what we can learn from chapter 22, the last chapter of the apocalypse. Then the seventh angel showed me the river of the water of life. Its waters were as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God where both the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ resided. The river ran down the middle of the city's main street. On each side of the river grew the trees of life. The trees bore twelve delicious varieties of food, one for each month. The leaves of the trees when Eden provided a renewed appreciation for life on the New Jerusalem. Excuse me. Appreciation for life in the New Jerusalem. There will be no longer be a curse on planet Earth. The throne of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ was visible. No matter where you moved about in the city, all of the citizens of the New Jerusalem knew their job was to serve the Father and the Son. The presence of the Father and the Son will pervade the entire city. In the New Jerusalem, I could see there would be no more need for the heavenly light bodies. The citizens of the city will not need that light, for the Lord himself will provide an abundance of life. And we as believers will reign in the new Jerusalem forever. At the end of the millennium, the new Jerusalem will appear above a new earth in the new heaven. The seventh angel said to me, The words and pictures provided to you are trustworthy and true. The father sent his angel Gabriel to show you that which will one day come to pass. Once the eschatological events begin, they will occur in rapid-fire succession. Therefore, be alert, for these events will occur quickly. Blessed are all those who perpetuate the words found in this book of the Revelations. I, John, was overwhelmed that I had been selected to hear and see these amazing things. I was so amazed that I fell down to worship the seventh angel who had been showing me the things to come. Again, I was promptly rebuked. Do not do that. Like you, I am a ministering spirit to all who keep the words of this book. We must all worship only the Father and his Son. The seventh angel then said, Do not seal up the words of this book. Why? Because the time is in fact near. Let the unbeliever who has rejected God's protocol keep on doing wrong. The vile must continue to be vile, but as for, the, as for the believer positive to the word, they must continue following God's protocol. Let those who are, on, are holy continue to be holy. Now listen up and pay attention, for I am coming soon. I am bringing rewards to those who have produced divine good during the tribulation. The production of our brethren who live during the tribulation must receive their crowns. And then the Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed and happy are those who by faith alone in Christ alone have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They have earned the right to eat from the trees of life. Outside the city, in hell, are the dogs, those who practice the, the occult, 
the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who practice lies and deceit. I, Jesus, have sent my angel Gabriel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And then in response to the Lord Jesus' statement, I heard a threefold invitation uttered, uttered by the Holy Spirit, the bride, and those who had earlier responded to God's grace invitation. It was a specific exhortation to those who might one day read about what I had seen and heard. It was similar to what our Lord had said while on earth. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Come and let him who hears say, Come, all who are thirsty, let them drink the water of life. In closing, let me warn those who have access to this book of the Revelation. If anyone adds anything to the Revelation, God will place upon him the plagues described in the book. Or, if anyone takes away anything written in this book, God himself will take away his share of the tree of life and his place in the new Jerusalem. Jesus then announced, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. And I, John, responded, Even now come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you now and forevermore. Amen. 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 That was a uh, pleasure uh, to present the book of the Revelation. Uh, Pastor Merritt and I both enjoyed doing it a lot, and I hope you received a blessing uh, from the study. We look forward to having you back again with us next Sunday, and we'll be starting something new. Look forward to it. Uh, if there's anyone within the sound of our voice that is without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all you got to do is believe, and you are part of the family. Pastor Merritt, you got anything for us? Just simply to reiterate what you do so well. Leave my friend on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Until next week, I'll sign off with Solo.